We are continuing our series called Seek and You Will Find. And we've been looking at Matthew chapter 7, 7 and 8 is the scripture verse that we're going off of. So in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus encourages us and he puts the ball in our court to seek after the things of God by saying, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So Jesus is saying, you go ahead and do that. I'm inviting you to ask, to seek, and to knock. And so in this series, we've been seeking after our peace, seeking after our people, and seeking after our purpose. And last week, we started talking about purpose and you are here on this planet for a reason. I hope I made that point last week effectively enough. Uh, It's just, it's true. I know it's cliche, but you are here for a reason. Your life does have meaning, but you need to grab hold of it. it. It might be over here and you're over here and you want to catch it. So you want to live in the meaning that God has for you in your life. Don't miss it. That's a, it's not good when you miss it. Today, we're going to be zeroing in on purpose by looking at spiritual gifts. But before we get into spiritual gifts, I think spiritual gifts are, you know, the spiritual gifts assessments you can take online. It's kind of fun. Oh, what are my spiritual gifts? You know, all that sort of thing. That's nice, but something very important needs to be said before we talk about spiritual gifts because spiritual gifts are about what you do, but the primary part of God's will is who you are. And this is something that Pastor Larry Doreen preached the first time he preached here at Good Hope Church. He preached on this topic that, you know, God's plan for you, when you're trying to find God's plan, it's first and foremost, it's primarily about who you are. It's about your character. It's about your heart. It's about what's on the inside, your attitude. That's what it's primarily about. And then after that, you know, he'll have some specific assignments for you. You know, he'll have some specific things for you to do, but that's not the important part. The important part is our heart, our attitude, connecting with the Spirit of God, walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Our identity is not in our assignments, but in who we are in Christ. And so that's very important to understand. So even though we're going to look at spiritual gifts, which is very much about what you do, I want you to understand that it's about who you are. And you cannot make up for having a bad heart by doing good things for God. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read a few verses that are pretty harsh. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. And it says this, again, Jesus is still speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Okay, so that's pretty harsh. Uh, what is Jesus trying to say with that? What he's saying is, is if you have a dark heart, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter the things you do in order to try to prove yourself as a follower of God, as somebody who's doing good things for God. If your heart is dark and you've got evil intentions and you're just not connected with the ways of God and the heart of God, but you're trying to do a few things to make sure that you're right with God, you know, it's not going to work. God's smarter than that. He sees through that. 
even if it's fairly profound things. I mean, my goodness, they're talking about, you know, miracles and driving out demons and prophesying. I mean, that's some high level stuff. And that wasn't even enough, you know? So I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. They were still doing evil, even though they were busy with, uh, you know, like having apparently some fantastic church services, but their heart wasn't with God. And so it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter the actions, even if it's deep spiritual things like this. If your heart's not with God, if you've got evil intentions, you just, you know, it's not gonna work. So you gotta get your heart right first. You gotta be changed from the inside out. You gotta get your heart connected with God and then the rest of this will work. It will all flow naturally if you get your heart right. So the fruit of the Spirit trumps the gifts of the Spirit. So we're gonna read some lists of the gifts of the Spirit, but first let's read the list of the fruit of the Spirit. And again, uh, I'll mention this in a little bit, but I don't see these as exhaustive lists, more like examples. And I think that's true here with the fruit of the Spirit as well. This is a, a list of examples, maybe not an exhaustive list, but certainly a wonderful list that shows you what it means to have the heart of God. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So the fruit of the Spirit, if we have the Holy Spirit in us, if we're walking in the ways of God with the heart of God, then this is naturally what's going to flow out of us. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, but with people. That's extra special patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that will naturally flow as we're walking in step with the Holy Spirit. But if we're not, it's gonna be not so great, as you all well know. And I've asked in church before, you know, which is more important, spiritual gifts or the fruit of the Spirit? And, you know, now everybody's pretty well trained to say the fruit of the Spirit but at the beginning, you know, they were kind of like, they'd look up in the air like, huh, I don't know, through the Spirit or gifts of the Spirit. But if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it makes the point rather dramatically. So here we go. 1 Corinthians 13, we'll just read verses one through three. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. So there's all of these accomplishments, abilities that really count for nothing without a love for other people. So the fruit of the Spirit is, you know, I mean, it starts with love. And Jesus said, you know, love God, love your neighbor. Love is huge in the heart of God. And so if we don't have love, but we can speak in tongues and we can prophesy and understand everything and we have faith that move, moves mountains and we are incredible givers, but we don't have love in our hearts, it doesn't matter. It counts for nothing. So which is more important, the gifts of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is way more important. I'm not sure that in our Christian culture we fully believe this, but it is true. So I want you to believe it. Get your heart right with God. The rest of it will take care of itself. With that being said, 
we're going to look at spiritual gifts because <laughs> we're talking about finding our purpose and finding your purpose is a lot about finding out what are your spiritual gifts? What are you here to do? And so I want to make sure you understood that the fruit of the spirit is way more important, but also, you know, hey, gifts of the spirit are in the Bible too. So let's look at that. So here we go. Let's look at some lists of the gifts of the spirit. We're going to go to Romans chapter 12. For the first list, we'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then we'll also go to Ephesians. Romans 12, we're going to read verses 4 through 8, and it says this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So this is what it says in Romans chapter 12, a list of things that are gifts of the Spirit, things like prophecy, things like serving others, teaching, encouraging others, giving, leading, showing mercy. These are spiritual gifts, things that need to be done in the body of Christ. And so some of these may be things that connect with you, that come naturally to you. You know, I don't know anybody that prophesying, you know, like when they're in second grade, they're like, yeah, they just prophesy. It's that's something you can grow into as a spiritual gift, walking by faith, you know, serving other people. Some people are born with the desire to serve others, you know, to help other people. Teaching. Some people are, they're kind of born with that desire to teach, you know, it's sort of in there. They're wanting to help people learn and grow. Faith, there's all kinds of different spiritual gifts here. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, also chapter 12. Let's read another list. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll read verses 4 through 11. Both these lists, Romans and 1 Corinthians, written by Paul the Apostle. So both of these are along the same vein of one body, many parts. And here are some of the different parts, different spiritual gifts, and the lists are different. So here we go. Chapter 12, verse 4, 1 Corinthians. There are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. And to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So there's these gifts of the spirit. From here, we see the message of wisdom, message of knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, 
speaking in different tongues, interpretation of tongues, and this is all the same spirit. So one of the things they were running into in Corinth was division in the church. And so as one person might have this gift, another might have that, they were kind of looking at each other funny and there was division in the group. And what Paul's point is, hey, look, if it's tongues and interpretation or if it's faith, uh, it's all the same. It's the same spirit given that. So you walk by faith, hallelujah. You deal with knowledge and wisdom, great. Tongues and interpretation, fantastic. Same spirit. We want to come together and be unified as different types of people serving God together, filling different roles in the body. So there's another list. We go to Ephesians chapter four, and we get into uh, what some people call the fivefold ministry of the church. And this is a list more of five offices that are held by people in the church. So Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 says this, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So there are leaders in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So traditionally, apostles are people kind of like missionaries that go into new areas and bring the gospel. Then, you know, you've got prophets, people who speak, you know, the words of God could include predictions of the future, but often not. Then you've got evangelists. These are people who call people into faith in Christ. Pastors, you know, they're the shepherds trying to help people and guide people in discipleship. And then teachers, ones who speak and teach the things of God. Those are kind of the offices. And then they're there to equip everybody else to do all the works that God has called the church to do. So that's three lists of spiritual gifts or offices. And again, these are not an exhaustive bunch of lists. This, this isn't exhaustive. So I'm not going to go into a great detail on this specific gift or that, because the reality is, is that you may be called to something that has nothing to do with these lists. So each of us has different spiritual gifts. And the question really is, how do you find your spiritual gifts? Because I think it's a bummer when people don't find their spiritual gifts. They don't really find their calling in life. And I got to tell you, don't let the wrong people define this for you. Too many times people think, well, if, if I'm really serious about following Jesus, I need to become a pastor or a missionary. Those are my two options. And that is absolutely not the case. You can be an entrepreneur, a business owner. You can be a nurse or a teacher, and that is God's calling for you. Now be a Christian nurse, a Christian teacher, you know, bring Christ with you, be a Christian business owner, do that as a Christian, live your life like that. But you can be in the center of God's will and doing that, those types of vocations. You can be a stay-at-home mom and be in the center of God's will if that's what God is calling you to. So you don't want to set that sort of thing aside where you, you got in your heart, oh, I really feel like I'm supposed to do this. This is who I am, but I guess I better become a missionary and go to Africa. Well, 
No, let the Holy Spirit speak that in your heart. It may not be one of the things in these lists, but don't let that be something that stops you. Go forward in what God is showing you. I want to give you permission to really, like David, when he was, you know, fighting Goliath, they put Saul's armor on him and the helmet and the sword and, and David's, you know, walks around. He gave it a try. It's good to give these things a try. You know, what's basic best practices. And he's like, you know what? This isn't going to work for me. Uh, I'm going out there with a, a sling and five smooth stones. And that's what David needed to do. I give you permission to go ahead and do what God has made you to do, even if it doesn't fit other people's narratives or their stereotypes for how it's supposed to work for you. So have permission to do that. How do we find our spiritual gifts? First thing, what are you good at? This is a great question. What are your talents? What are your abilities? What are you good at? So God has already given you some natural abilities and that can indicate how you are to serve God through natural abilities. I give you three ways to find spiritual gifts. This is just the first one. What are you good at? Do you have some natural abilities, some things that you're good at that are gonna open some doors, give you some opportunities in life, things that you can do? But not only do you have some natural abilities that God gave you at birth, but you can also receive supernatural abilities as time goes on. There's a Christian platitude, you know, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And there's a piece of truth in that. You know, you don't just go and pretend that God's gonna give you incredible abilities that you're just not gonna get. You know, there's a realism that needs to be there. But the reality is that God will equip you if you're called and you gotta walk by faith. And so there are some supernatural abilities that God will give you and you need to step into what God is showing you to do and then receive those supernatural abilities. Let me give you a couple examples from my life. You know, I mean, I, I was never very good at reading. I was not a good reader. Um, you know, second grade, I couldn't read a word. I had just memorized everything because the teacher would read it first and then you just read it back, you know, but you're just remembering it. So I was good at that, but I wasn't good at reading. And uh, it took me a long time to learn how to read. You know, I got mainstreamed in sixth grade, and, but then they, I didn't have to do the homework, you know, and why didn't I have to do the homework? Other kids would ask me, and like, well, the answer is simple. I'm just not that smart, so I can't do it. So they're not making me do it. But then I learned and I grew, and now guess what? I read in front of people, and I feel like God has healed me and given me the ability to be able to read uh, at an above average level. And so I'm just super thankful about that. Uh, a funny example would be playing the guitar. I remember it was January before I was going to get credentialed to become a pastor, and I just felt God saying, learn how to play the guitar. I tried to learn how to play the guitar in high school. Now I'm, you know, 30 years old. I'm trying to learn how to play the guitar in high school. And I, I learned a little bit, two bar chords. I, I just wasn't very good at it. And so I gave it up. Then in January of the year 2000, I felt like God said, learn how to play guitar. So got a guitar, learned how to play it. And then by April, I was leading worship by myself, just me and the guitar. So that was an amazing thing that happened, you know, after I'm 30 years old, I was 31. By the time April came, I'm leading worship by myself. Even though that's a natural ability for a lot of people, I felt like I had a supernatural empowerment of God to be able to learn how to play the guitar well enough to be able to lead worship by myself. So there are those supernatural empowerments that God gives you. And I'd even say, you know, like, as far as like understanding things, as a young person, I was not particularly deep. 
you have to read the scriptures and try to understand what's being said and be empowered by the Holy Spirit to gain understanding in the Holy Word of God. And I remember as a kid in English class, they were talking about how some stories aren't really about what they say they're about, but they're about something else. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Who would write a story about this and then they say it's about something else? You know, like I just didn't understand that there could be symbolism. I wasn't super deep as a kid. I believe God has given me the ability to to understand some of those deeper things. And so hallelujah for that. And then obviously when you have supernatural gifts, like what we read about with regards to healing, tongues and interpretation, prophecy and miracles, you know, those are things that come from God, not things that you just are good at, born with kind of those sorts of gifts, but they're the supernatural gifts. So what are you good at? It's an important thing to ask the question of. And then the next one is, what are you interested in? What are you good at? The next one is, what are you interested in? Sometimes you'll have a desire, you know, like for me, preaching was something I had a desire for, but I wasn't good at it. Uh, and something that had to grow over time. But sometimes when you can do something, but you're not interested in it, then you know that God isn't calling you to do it. So for example, I hate paperwork. I can do paperwork, but it it just drains me. But my wife loves paperwork. So guess who does the paperwork? You know, my wife does the taxes. My wife takes care of all of those types of things. And this will inform your calling. It will inform what God is expecting you to do, what gives you energy. And I think this is an important way to understand Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 that we read last week with the idea of, you know, coming to Christ as a purpose statement. But here's something Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When I first read that, I thought, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, I thought following Christ was hard, like this was a battle and a challenge, and it was full of hardships. Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, is there a battle and hardship? Sure. But let me tell you this, when it comes to what God's calling you to do, it'll be something that you're interested in that will give you energy. As a pastor, if you're kind of climbing up the the ladder in serving God, there's gonna be a whole lot of things you're gonna have to do that you're not interested in. You're just gonna have to make it work, especially early on. And even now, you know, like I love preaching. I get to do that. My wife, not interested in it. She'll kind of co-teach with me sometimes. She don't want to be up here by herself. You know, she don't want to do that. It's not an interest for her. It would be something that would take energy from her instead of give energy to her. And for me, preaching is something that gives me energy. It builds me up. Paperwork is something that gives her energy, builds her up. And so this is something that really can help inform your spiritual gifts or the things God is going to have you do. Maybe you're good at it, but it isn't something that feeds you. That's not going to be what God's going to call you to do then. You might have to step in periodically and take care of something, but that's not going to be your primary calling. And then also something along the lines here to know is that God will also change your desires. Well, let's just read Psalm 37 verse four, because I I think this has a double meaning. It says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So obviously the primary meaning of take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart is that 
The Lord loves you. He's going to do good things for you. So delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But I also think that if you are delighting in the Lord, you're going to have different desires than if you're delighting in this sinful dark world and, you know, all the junk that's out there. You know, if you're delighting in hating people because of how whatever, this, that, the other thing, well, then God's not going to give you the desires of your heart because you're full of hate and yuck. But if you come to understand the ways of God and the heart of God, the fruit of the Spirit, then your desires are going to begin to change. And so I believe not only does God give us the desires of our heart in the sense of blessing us with that, but also he'll put desires in there. So when you delight yourself in the Lord, then what you want is going to begin to change because you're delighting yourself in the Lord. And so I believe there's a double meaning with that. So what are you interested in? As you delight yourself in the Lord, you're going to be interested in the things of God. There'll be the things of God that give you energy and that's going to inform your calling, inform your purpose, inform what spiritual gifts you need to develop and work through. And then here's the last one. So when you're looking at spiritual gifts, what are you good at? What are you interested in? And then here's the third one. What makes you angry? Oddly, I've noticed that this is a key diagnostic in understanding what God's will is for you in your life, what God wants to use you to do, what makes you angry. Now, when I was a new believer, I'll tell you what made me angry. Preachers and teachers made me angry. I just thought they were doing a horrible job. I didn't like what they said. I didn't like the way they led. You know, why was that? Why was I so angry when I heard somebody preach? Well, two reasons. One reason was just spiritual immaturity. (laughs) I was just spiritually immature and I, you know, was just a big fault finder and that sort of a deal. So I I had a, a personal weakness that caused me to go the wrong way in my heart when I saw something that wasn't right. And so the main reason I was so angry was spiritual immaturity. But the, the second reason is because I noticed things about the way that the message was brought forth, how it could mislead people into something that's not accurate, that's not true to the scriptures. And, and that made me angry. Like, don't tell people that. They're going to come to the wrong conclusion. You know, like if I was to read Psalm 37, 4 and say, God will give you the desires of your heart and not talk about the delighting yourself in the Lord part, you know, then that's going to lead you into expecting God to give you whatever you want. And he's not going to do that. He's going to give you what his plan for your life is. And so when you're delighting in him and you're getting on board with his plan, then all of a sudden he's going to give you the things that you want because the desires of your heart are going to be in line with him. But if your desires are not in line with him, then you're going the wrong direction. You know, if you preach that the wrong way, you're going to lead people in the wrong direction. And I just thought that was horrible. So besides the spiritual immaturity part, the other part was I saw the importance and the significance of the work of preaching and teaching. And so when you feel something's really important, it isn't fun watching it being done poorly. And so you might be really mad about something. Oh, they, there's no good way to connect at church anymore. Like, ah, oh. well, guess what? You see the significance of that. That could inform your calling whatever it is that you're mad about. You know, like if if you're mad over something, check spiritual immaturity and just being naive and foolish. 
because there's probably some of that, like with me. But then also check and see, is this something you're called to? And then that's the next step. You know, spiritual immaturity is just going to be mad off to the side. But when you realize, okay, this is an important thing that God has given me the ability to see, you know, how to do this well, I need to step in and try to do it well. You'll find out, of course, it's not as easy as it looks. You know, like you can criticize somebody preaching a lot easier than you can preach a message that's hard to criticize. Woo, I tell you, it's very difficult to preach a message that's hard to criticize. You know, the, the reality is, is that when you're angry about something, once you uh, get your heart right, then that often will show you what you care about and what matters. And that can be something that informs what God's calling you to do as well. So don't get mad, engage and try to make the situation better. When you see something about the church, about Christianity as a whole, about people of faith that makes you angry, look and see, is this something I'm called to make better? Is this something I'm called to change? First thing you need to do is get your heart right because that anger thing isn't gonna get the job done. But when you can walk in the fruit of the spirit and grab hold of that, it's gonna make it work. Three things in looking at spiritual gifts. We went through the lists, but again, there's a lot of other spiritual gifts out there that aren't in the list. It's not exhaustive. So what are you good at? That can be natural abilities that you're born with given to you by God, but also supernatural abilities that come as time goes on. Then what are you interested in? You know, what gives you energy, what builds you up? And then what makes you angry? Interesting thing, that can be something that informs your calling and how God wants to use you. So as we, uh, as we get ready to try to close here, who are spiritual gifts for? You hear people talking about, well, my spiritual gift is this or that or the other thing. Who are spiritual gifts for? Well, if we go back to 1 Corinthians 12, verse seven that we read earlier, it says, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So spiritual gifts, my spiritual gifts, your spiritual gifts are not for me. They're not for you. They're to be shared. We're like the UPS driver, the FedEx guy, we're the mailman. You know, we've got stuff to bring. But if you go home with your truck and take all the packages into your house, you know, like you're stealing everything. And so when we have spiritual gifts, they're there for the common good. So we need to bring those to the table. Your spiritual gifts are not for you. You're the one delivering the gift. The truth is that a life of purpose is a life that's not about you. So if you've been selfishly looking at how do I get purpose? Cause I want to have purpose. Cause I don't want to feel meaningless. I want to have purpose for me. Well, your purpose isn't going to come through selfishness. Your purpose is going to come through serving others. It's going to come through putting other people first. And there's a paradox in the scripture that Jesus states It's recorded as stating it six different times in the Gospels. And uh, that's amazing. Uh, The most quoted thing from Jesus is this. And I'm going to read it from Mark 8, 34 through 36. And I I want you to grab hold of this and believe it because this is very, very important. Here we go. Mark 8, starting in verse 34. Then Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? 
So when it says soul here and it says life, it's the same Greek word. So for whatever reason, they translated it life in verse 35 and they translated it as soul in verse 36. But when you try to save your life, you'll lose it. What good is it to gain the whole world and forfeit your soul, forfeit your life? You want to save your soul, you're going to lose it. Like that word soul and life in the Greek word, it's the same word. It's quite the paradox. And I got to tell you, you want to save your life, you got to give it up. There's no loopholes with that. There is no loophole here at all. Purpose is selflessness. You want to find purpose in your life? It's about other people. It's about making this world a better place. It's about bringing positive change. And it's not selfish, but it's personally worth it. It's an interesting paradox. Selfishness rots you from the inside, but unselfishness builds you up on the inside. So selfishness is doomed to fail. Unselfishness, caring about others, trying to benefit others, trying to make a difference for others, serving others through Christ, serving the kingdom of God. That's what builds us up over time. Maybe the mistake that you've made all throughout your life is that it's always been about you. Today's the day to change that. Today's the day to delight in the Lord because when you delight in the Lord instead of glorifying yourself, that's when he gives you the desires of your heart. I believe he'll put new desires in to be a blessing to other people and that he will then meet that desire and bring it to pass in your life. It's time to lay your life down at the feet of Jesus and pick up a life of purpose. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Lord, I pray for each one of us that we would be able to grab hold of our purpose in you, that we would see what you have gifted us to do and that we would grab hold of it. Help us to have godly character first, walk in the fruit of the spirit first, and then grab hold of our abilities, maybe offices that we hold in your kingdom. But Lord, help us to release of ourselves, to give up our lives and daily take up our cross and follow you, to live a life on purpose for others, not being self-centered, not being selfish, not being egocentric, not making it all about us and selfish ambition, but Lord, serving you, serving others. And that's where we will find true purpose. And so Lord, we release our selfishness. We release our personal ambitions. Lord, we do give ourselves to you and ask you to lift us up. Let us find our true purpose as we selflessly serve you and others. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.